When you think about the idea of I'll never get ahead, what do you think are some of the top factors, some of the top reasons that keep people believing that they'll never get ahead financially with their money? What are some of the reasons people believe that? Debt. And and as I said, for some it's a reality. Yes, ma'am, go ahead. What did you say? Debt. Debt. No question. That probably... expenses. Unforeseen expenses. Kids. Kids. <laughs> yes. As part of those I think, I think for the most part, if we went around the room, everybody would say, you know, amen to at least a couple of those. We've all experienced it. What else? Yes, sir. That's right. A couple of boats that will that will get you. Certainly, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving from your friends, you know, just right back around. You can't use that against me. That's right. <laughs> he got rid of the boats, you know. That's great. <clears throat> yeah, your health. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, uh, in some cases, in some cases, your ability to work, you know, uh, for whatever reason. Um, what else? I mean, there's, there's, there are a lot. What, what other factors come to mind? What have you heard? What do people talk about? Well, I tell you, we can get ahead if it weren't for, or if only. Losing a job. Yeah, unemployment. We're taking a taking a major pay cut. You may have a job, but you know, you you take a, a pay cut. I remember when I went to Briggs, I had already lost two jobs. Happen, and Mattel Fisher Price. Yep. And they didn't want me to stop in there. You bad luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What else? What are some other factors? We've, we've mentioned a lot of good ones. Yeah, you're spending. I mean, let's let's be honest. You know, in, 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 in most cases, you know, we, we talk about if I, I, I'd be able to get ahead if I had more money. But what do we do when we get more money? We spend it, don't we? Well, we're going to live right there on the edge. What's that? We get AOL. I talked about that last week. We go to Circuit City and get a television we pay for for the next three years for no reason. That's the kind of stuff we do. Our new car. Yeah, whatever. Sometimes you need a new roof about that time. Those are the things, routine maintenance on the house, on, on, you know, even if it's not unforeseen expenses, things that cost money can sometimes keep you from getting ahead financially. Isn't that true? We just came out of Christmas. I don't know about y'all, but Christmas ain't cheap. <laughs> Man, it ain't cheap. You know, and I'm, you know, and not even just on the kids, but on everybody else that you buy for. You know how it goes? It ain't cheap. You spend a ton. Two boats worth. You spend a ton. I know it. I know it. <laughs> hey, your wife started it, man. <laughs> but, you know, all those things, even, even good things that we, that we spend money on can keep us from feeling like we'll ever get ahead. All right, next, next question. What would you recommend as a starting point for somebody who feels financially overwhelmed? We, we don't all have to have the same starting point, but what would you say? You know, if I were advising somebody and they said, I'm just overwhelmed, I don't know where to start. Don't ever get a credit card. Okay, so, so you, you say no credit cards. All right, avoid that. What else? Yeah, don't, don't get things that you can't pay cash for. Okay, what else? Do you have to determine very, very rigidly between needs and wants? Yeah, all right, what else? That's good. Where your spending's going. Yeah, make sure you know where it's going. I think that's huge. You know, isn't it true? Sometimes we, we, we say, well, boy, why don't we have any more money? And then you start to realize, you know, you look at it again and say, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize we spent that much money on eating out in the last month. You know, I mean, you know, I just, just case in point for us, you know, life has, <clears throat> has changed dramatically for us this year, and some of you are very well aware of that. But we... Uh, Nancy is now working, of course, at Christian Fellowship School up in Benton. And so, and all four kids are going there. And so now she's driving back and forth. So gas money has certainly increased. Uh, wear and tear on the vehicles has increased and all that stuff. But the one thing that I did not think about that has become nearly exponential is how much money we spend on food outside the home. And, and you all know, I mean, you're, you know, it's crazy, isn't it? 
I mean, you know, case in point, and this is not, this is just to, to say, if you're doing this, I understand. Every Tuesday and Thursday, uh, Nancy either has after school cheerleading practice or, or, or Nora, and Nora always has gymnastics those days. So I drive up there to get Nora early from school because she does. She gets out 40 minutes before or 20 minutes before Nancy does and has to be back in Murray by 4 o'clock, and Nancy can't get her here in time. So I drive up there. Nancy has to stay after, so she buys food up there for them. I buy food for me and Nora here in Murray, and it's every, at, least, at least once a week, sometimes twice. Now, the grocery budget has decreased a little bit, but, but that's offset significantly. By, you know, it, isn't that the way it is sometimes? And it's just, it's just reality. It's just the way that things might be. What else? What would you say is a recommended starting point? Somebody's overwhelmed. How do you help them begin the process of getting out? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to start small and have, you know, even if it's just chipping away or having some small victories in somewhere to see some progress. That's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Start with, with some kind of plan, tracking it and, and planning for it. You pay down one credit card at the time and then tear them up. Yeah. Yeah. And then as Ruth said, get, get rid of those and then don't return to those as a, as a, as a source focus, of income. Just focus on one at a time okay. and get rid of one. Because if you just pay a little bit more on each one, yeah. that's not going to get it. Just pay a lot more on yeah. one. Pay it down. That works. Yeah. Well, and you know what's what's tough is is when the unexpected. I think Tammy mentioned unexpected expenses. Others, you know, just things happen. What's tough is when we don't have maybe some savings to fall back on or whatever. Then those credit cards become a source of income. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, it is extra income that we we in some cases. Let's be honest. I, I don't want to shame anybody tonight. Sometimes it's just the way things are. You don't have a choice. I mean, it's either fix the car, uh, you know, and eat, or choose between fixing the car and eating. I mean, you know, I mean, that's in some cases that's the way it is. So, yeah, whatever. I mean, you know. All right. <clears throat> what does it even mean to feel as if you are ahead financially? What world does that mean? <laughs> I'll never get ahead. But what does that mean? And I think it's important to define the terms. You know, the myth is, and I really believe it's a myth. And I buy into it, trust me. I'll never get ahead. But what does that even mean? Well, I think of Americans. Americans get ahead. You just want to go do something. I yeah, know. okay. Get Thank ahead. you, Mark. Go do something. We're not smart enough to, to stay ahead. That should be the way it is. We should be good. This has two, this has two pages. I'm just going to pass them around everybody. Everybody pick one. Thank you. You know, Bruce, I think you're right. As Americans, we get, you know, we get whatever we think is ahead. So so then we, you know, whether it's getting something new or going to do something, you know, it, it maybe it's, okay, now we can enjoy this. That feels like I'm ahead. Yeah. Okay. Jimmy, you were going to say something as well. Sure. Yeah. What else? What, is it, what does it mean to, to feel that way? And that's what we're looking for. We're looking to feel as if we're here. Okay. Have anyone call me? All right. So you don't have you don't have collectors calling. You don't have late payments. All right. What else? That's good. They have everything paid off. No Which debt. It's almost impossible with cell phones and cable and, and you're going to have those ongoing debts. Right. But let's just say you've got your your car, your house, your Credit cards, your those kinds of debts, whatever you might have, those gone. Yeah. What else? To feel like money doesn't matter, like you can just like, hey, you want to go skiing in the Alps? Sure, <laughs> do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's nice. Yeah. But let's you know, let's be honest. For some, that that's the only way we'd feel ahead. Is it? Well, money's no object. I, on Facebook, we, we are having this year my twentieth. High school reunion, 20-year you know, high school reunion. And the, the girl who is putting it all together, and, and thankfully I don't live in Louisville, I was a class president. I'd have to be involved, you know, and no offense, but it's just a bunch of girls. I don't want to be involved. <laughs> Let them plan it. Y'all do it. I'll show up. It's fine. 
So thankfully, I'm not involved. But she's put on Facebook the other day. She said, you know, you all tell me who might come and how much money, you know, you'd be willing to spend. And it's amazing how many people want to feel as if money is no object. You know what they say? I'll be there, my husband, my wife, whomever, will be there, and it doesn't matter how much it costs. <laughs> it doesn't. Hold on. <laughs> I was class, but let me veto this. You know, I'm going to pull some presidential authority. And it's amazing. We want to feel as if money is no big deal, even in simple little things like that. Oh, it doesn't matter. We'll spend 100 bucks on a, on a reunion. Who cares? We want others to make it's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Which is probably part of the reason why we didn't get ahead financially. Yeah. What else? What does it What does it mean to feel that way? <clears throat> I like to go if I did have enough money. I would go visit relatives in another state. Okay. So, so yeah, the ability to, to be able to travel more, uh, to to even do things that that are as simple, not extravagant, as simple as going to visit family. Yeah. Good. What else? Anything? That's good. To me, it means. All bills are covered. I can give freely, and money's going to the bank. Yeah, that's the idea. Good. Yeah, that's and that would that would be a great feeling. Absolutely, to have that. All right, let me give you tonight. There gonna be two different sections here. Okay, they're gonna be both sets of five. So easy, easy to to remember. Okay, five money management principles. Now, I'll just tell you, these are not uh, overly profound. Uh, they they are they're they're sort of the combination of a couple different resources I was looking through and just kind of compiled here here are five principles and then we're going to go with five strategies afterwards so trying to get the overview the philosophical look at things would certainly love your input on these your reinforcement your discussion maybe your disagreement if you have it to say I see it from a different angle that's fine but here are five money management principles first of all your standard of living is up to you not your income. That one's hard. You determine your own standard of living. Your income doesn't do that for you. Now, your income may put a lid on your potential. But when it comes to standard of living, you can try to appear as if whatever you want to appear as. That makes sense. So if you make X amount of dollars and you decide to spend X amount of dollars... You've determined your standard of living is right there at the edge. But if you make X, X amount of dollars and you say, well, you know what? Our standard of living is still only going to be X. Not twice that. We're still, we are going to determine, no matter how much or how little we have, we are going to determine what we do. What do you think about that? Your standard of living is up to you, not your income. It's a principle. It's not hard and fast in every single case. We've mentioned the, the contingencies that come. What do you think? Think that's true? You think that's that's off? Do you think that's restricting? How do you feel about that? I think it's true if you've got the XX and you want to stay at X. Mm-hmm. It's not so true. Yes. Yes. In in a lot of cases, this is a very difficult principle to to live up to, to attain, to get to, whatever. Yeah. Not easy. That's why I say it's a tough one. I think it's true in, in most cases. Most cases. What, what, what else do you think? Do, does it make sense? Do you understand the principle? If not, then certainly I'd be happy to try to get somebody to explain it to you. <laughs> Teddy Clyde knows all this stuff, so we'll just we'll defer to him. <clears throat> he's he's uh, the wisest one in, in the room. Yeah, well. <laughs> now... It's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everybody's gone through yeah. that. Everybody's bought something like a boat or something. Sure, everybody has, everybody has done the, the opposite of this. You know, and, and I think the principle comes back to the idea that that whatever you want to be content with as a standard of living, that's where you're gonna you're gonna live. If you if you're not content to live, let's say a, a simple below your means kind of lifestyle. Well, it doesn't matter how much money you make. You're still, as you mentioned, we're going to spend it You're right up to the edge. And I think that's the principle. I mean, we, you know, we have at least to some degree, we have a measure of choice in most cases, not all, but in most cases, we have a measure of choice as to what our standard of living will be. If we want to compete with everybody, we're going to do it. But if we say, no, 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 hold on. 
We're going to live below our means. Whatever our means are, we're going to live below that. You've chosen your standard of living. But that's hard to do if your means no question. minimum wage. Yes. Yes. And and we're we're hopefully going to get to the strategies part where maybe some of those things come into play. You're exactly right. This is not, again, these are principles. These are not necessarily true in every single case. There are always exceptions. Secondly, your financial situation nearly always reveals your heart. Now, I don't say that because if you are upside down financially, you're an awful rotten person. <laughs> not at all. But what does the Bible tell us? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your financial situation, we think of it not necessarily in what we're earning, but what we're spending. Because in, in many cases, our financial situation is, yes, determined to some degree by what we earn, but in most cases, isn't it true by what we spend? So it reveals our heart. It reveals, it reveals what's important to us. Now, this is not condemning. Because in some cases, our hearts are exactly in the right place. You know, Stephanie mentioned you want to be able to, to give. Oh, yeah. Okay, that, your heart's in the right spot there. So don't, don't, don't think that all these are negative. How have you seen this to be true, to be not true? You know, Cindy mentions you know, the exceptions, there, and there certainly are. Sometimes you're, you're just in a rough spot financially. I, right before we came here, you know, some of you know the story. We, we had a mutual parting with the church that I was serving as a youth pastor in Georgia after 11 months. And, and we were, I was three months without a job. And I don't know if you if you know or not, but but ministers don't draw unemployment. There's no unemployment at all, and so I had no income. And we we took a third of the retirement that we had saved up to pay the house payment that we had you know that we had. It took us two and a half years to sell the house. I mean, I, I I didn't do anything, you know. Goodness, I thought my heart was in the right spot, but we were we were struggling. You know, it's just the way it was. So, what do you think? True, not true. Agree, disagree. What do you think? I saw some nodding heads earlier. This is where, like, the rich man, how rich is he? Because I think rich people have happiness, but they don't have joy. In some cases, sure. Yeah. Not hard and fast rule, but yeah, a lot of times. You know, it's, it's, it, I read it last week, and then I read it Sunday morning, the Ecclesiastes 5 passage. You know, where, where you know, money cannot bring you, in and of itself, cannot bring you joy. Now, it can, it can facilitate some things that might bring you joy. No question. But it can't in and of itself bring more joy. Thirdly, debt is enslaving. Hey. <laughs> That's pretty simple, isn't it? <clears throat> if you've got any debt right now, you are enslaved to that lender. Whether that lender owns your car, whether that lender owns your house, owns your credit card, whatever, they own you, don't they? Now listen, I'm right there with you. They own me too. <laughs> I get it. But you know, the Bible says that the, the, the borrower is slave to the lender. you got no choice but to make that payment. And if you don't, like I, I said a couple weeks ago, you're going to find out real quick who owns your stuff. And it ain't you. You say do. They will take, they will, they will come to take your income to get their money that you owe them. Now, again, that's just a principle. I think it's dead on. The Bible tells us it is. But it is true. I think debt, and one of the things that we mentioned early on was that debt is one of the things that keeps people from feeling financially free. Why? Because you're enslaved. And and I don't, you know, again, not not to, this is not condemnation. It just So if you feel enslaved by your debt, good reason. Because <laughs> you are. I mean, I, you know, and I am too. That's the way it is. Fourthly, you are in control of every purchase you make. That's somewhat false. Ask Mamma, she'll tell you. She just bought a three months worth or three years worth of subscription on a magazine that yeah. she did not buy. So not every purchase. <laughs> there you go. Sometimes somebody steals your identity and becomes Donna Scott making purchases on magazines. <laughs> That's pretty good. I wish she were here to defend herself. Or explain it or tell the story. Oh, no. Sometimes your mate will go in or your husband, sure. wife. We'll spend money that you okay. know, disgusting. Okay. I, you're not in control of it. All right. So it. so you personally may not be in control of every single purchase that is made in your family or on your behalf. There All was, right. There was an article on that on TV just today. Okay. One in five people uh, 
their might spends up to five hundred dollars but they don't even know. Okay. Interesting principle. I would highly recommend as a side note, and I have dealt with enough premarital counseling <laughs> to recommend to recommend as and some folks might you know, I have people in my own family um, that uh, that do not have joint checking accounts don't share their stuff I, if you are a married person I, I would highly recommend I would urge you to become one and I mean that not with chapter and verse necessarily, although Genesis 2.24 says it. It's not just a physical union. I believe it also includes all those other things. If it's at all possible, I think it's best because you may avoid different things like that. Purchases that are unwanted maybe get reduced because it's obvious it was made. It's harder to hide that way. And so, I again, I know people in my own family, extended family, that that's the way they operate. And it's... Are you really? And, and you've been working, and you guys are an amazing story because apparently she still loves you, right? I know you still love her. All right, good. But, I, you know, I say that because, I, you know, pointing to you, I think that what you all have been able to do in large part is the exception to the rule from what I have seen. Now, again, you know, this I don't have chapter and verse. I'm not going to tell you all. Hold on a second. But I think that it can cause major, major problems. You guys have worked it out. <laughs> no question. Well, and see, and you know one another. But it takes communication. It does. Yeah, and, I'm, and you all do that. When Daryl and I both were working, we had certain things that each of us paid. Yep. And a certain amount that each of us kept. Sure. That we didn't have to be accountable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes that can work out. Sometimes, you know, like as Mark and Ginger's case goes fine. In other cases, it can create some chaos between the couple. Going back to the principle, the idea here is that the purchases that you make, that you consciously say, I'm going to get this, you are in control. Now, again, exceptions to the rule. I mean, somebody steals your identity or makes a different, completely different story. But when you go out and you buy a television at Circuit City for three years at AOL, I was in charge of that. Dumbest thing I ever did, but I was in charge of that. You know, when you when you go out and, and as Nancy and I did, we bought we bought two new vehicles as soon as we got married. We oh we got money now. We graduated from college, got a job. We were in charge of that. Neither one of them was worth what we paid for <laughs> over the next however many years. I mean, it was just the way that it, it was. You're in control by our principles, not hard and fast rules. You're in control. Financial freedom doesn't just happen. That's true. It, it's not going to just happen for you. Boy, I'm praying for financial freedom. Okay. We're going to talk about some strategies you need to add to that prayer. Because I don't believe that it happens very often that miraculously God just bails you out. We dug ourselves a hole. We're praying God's going to get us out. Lord, I, I got a little debt here. It'd be nice if a check would arrive in the mail. <laughs> you don't mind? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It's true, isn't it? It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen by doing the same things that you've been doing, right? All right, so let's go with some strategy as best we can. Money management strategies. Create a budget below your means and follow it. Now, I want to give you a couple of things. I'm just going to start them around. I think I have enough copies for everybody. This one that I'm starting here with Jimmy has one page and then another one to it. So there are two pages. There's one front and back and then the, the second. This one here is just front and back. So take only one of those. These are nothing spectacular. All they are, if you don't have a, a working budget right now, then they may be a starting point for you. So take a look at it. It may be something that gives you some ideas, even if you already have one. So I printed these out. I looked online at a couple of different sites. These are actually from Dave Ramsey's site. Mike and I were talking about this last week, about uh, Dave Ramsey and his financial piece and so on. He's got some good resources I would say be discerning on, on what works for you when it comes to his principles and so on. But certainly he is a guy who wants financial freedom for people. These are free resources from his site. 
DaveRamsey.com. So I just, I, they, they came with instructions. You can kind of see how to work through those. And so I thought they might be helpful. I hope I printed about 20 apiece. So I hope we have enough. I think we have right out about 20 people. So if we run low and we have to share, then that'll be fine. So again, you should have one sheet that's front and back, and that is the quick start budget, and then, thank you. And then you have the monthly cash flow plan front and back, and one extra sheet. That should be coming around this way. So you'll have in your hands a total of four pieces of paper. No, three, three pieces of paper. Thank you. Three pieces of paper total. Thank you, Mark. Are there any extras? We should have the one from this side coming around. You guys, did you get them? Okay, making sure. So a total of three pieces of paper. We got it. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I've got the quick start budget if anybody needs that one. And then Mark, you got a couple extra there. All right. We're good? Okay. All right. Somebody tell me the definition of a budget. It's not a trick question. Spending. A spending plan. It's pretty simple. That's what it is. Some would say budget is a four-letter word. It's not. It's got more letters than that. And it's not that bad. A budget is simply a spending plan. Now, you think budget sometimes, and maybe you're on one, maybe you're not, and you think restriction. List of do's and don'ts. Oh, don't spend that. All it is is I'm going to tell my money where it's going to go this month. That's what a budget is. If you look at the at the quick start budget, all this is, you look at, at the, the one side, step one, step two, step three, gives you an idea. Here's how you start with this. We'll show you how much money you need every month to cover necessities. While your mortgage or rent is listed here, we won't get into the details, your credit, all that kind of stuff. It's just the starting point. I would highly recommend, if you follow this sheet or follow another, if you don't have something each month that you are planning for, then begin the process. You Find what works for you. Um, yeah, this may be perfect. And you say, well, I'll just print one of those off every month. Okay, no big deal. Get you a notebook, whatever, punch the holes, put it in there, good to go. You see on the other side, all it is is listing, here's what's required, and then we'll get an idea of what we have to spend. And we go from there and build a plan for that. Tell me how, what have you found regarding budgeting, whether it's some kind of tool that you use or a strategy that you use regarding budgeting in a, in a spending plan, what have you found for you that's been extremely helpful that if somebody else maybe needs some tips, you say, hey, this has worked for us, this didn't, whatever. What have you found that's been helpful or not? Sticking with it. Okay, sticking with it, for one. Being consistent with it, committing to it, Yes. Okay, so so explain that to me again. Yes. Okay, so if you're okay, so if you're using, let's say you're getting rewards on your charge card or something like that, and you're using it as as your your checking account, you got to make sure that that you track it and you know exactly what you spent, so you know what's coming in. Can't spend more than that on the card. All right, good. Yeah. What, what else? What are some other tips and helpful things? Using cash. Okay. Yeah. Dave Ramsey, a big, big proponent of using cash, which is something, honestly, I don't do. I don't carry any cash, hardly ever. Um, but it certainly can, in a lot of cases, keep you accountable. Okay, I'm going to give something away here. Um, and, you, and you feel it. You know, now it's not there. And if you know that is the money, there's no backup. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, okay. What else? What else has been helpful? Do you use any kind of 
form? Do you write it down? Do you use a spreadsheet? What is do you, computer program? What do you all use? Some of you that are on specific budgets like this, what do you use? Excel spreadsheet. Okay. Just say, do you save a new file each month? Do you just okay? Nancy writes all of ours down. She's got a big notebook, and she's, she's got a, a different page for each particular category and tracks here's what we've got available and you know lines it all out and then tracks what we spent and all that. I say create a budget below your means because, as Gwen mentioned, you, if you spend more than's coming in, guess what happens? That's not good. <laughs> you have a deficit, don't you? Yes. And in some cases, a deficit doesn't matter. But for a personal budget, on the other hand, it matters. Especially when you're dealing with those entities that don't like you having a deficit with them. If you look at the monthly cash flow plan, three pages there, to front and back, and then the second. This gets a little bit more detailed. It will help you figure out, here's what I've budgeted and then what I've spent. These are not necessarily meant to solve all of your budgeting issues, but to give you a starting point. And maybe you would enjoy going through this, uh, even working with somebody else. I will say this, that if you're a person who says, you know what? This stuff is brand new to me, or I'm really struggling to, to plan for spending and so on then let me know. And I'm not the one who, who is the financial counselor. We don't have financial counselors in our church, but I guarantee you that we have people who would love to sit down and say, let me help you. Let's just get going with this. Nancy's done that with some college students. She used to teach Bible study and had a lot of college girls in there. She would sit and talk with them. Here's, here's some budgeting principles. And, you know, in college, I mean, you don't have that much money coming in, that much going out, really. Your parents are paying for everything for the most part. But at the same time, you got a little bit coming in. It's a good time to practice that. I actually took a group of, of high school juniors and seniors through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace for Teenagers. And it was a very helpful study for them as they had jobs in many cases, preparing for college and so on. So if you need help in these areas, please do not be ashamed. And I seriously mean it. You may say, boy, I, I don't want to admit it, but I, I don't have any kind of budget. Well, I just wing it and figure it out the next month and we'll go from there. You know, and you say, but I want financial freedom. I want to take control of this. Let me know. We'll we'll put you together with somebody who is already doing that. It's not because they're they're a better person. They just maybe plan a little bit different. So, all right. So create a budget. We we don't have time to drill down on every single element of these things. They are for your reference, for your study, for you to look at. If you have questions about them, if they spark. A conversation. If you want to know more, if you need somebody to talk to, you let me know. We'll figure that out for you. Secondly, make a plan to get out of debt. Sharon, you mentioned about paying one off and being very aggressive in that. Sometimes that's going to be what, what happens. Dave Ramsey's idea, just so you know from his, is called, what's called the debt snowball. Maybe you've heard if you listen to his radio show, you've read his books, you've heard him talk about it. He says start with the smallest debt that you have and pay it off. Just go crazy with it, pay it off. And then take that money you were paying on that debt and attack the next highest debt. And then take all that money that you were paying on both of those and throw it at the next one. And then all, you see how it begins. To, that's what he says begins to snowball. Now, for some, the plan to get out of debt will be as simple as we're not going to miss the, the minimum payment if we can all help it. Or I may need to work a bit overtime. Got to earn a little bit of money. We're going to have, Dave Ramsey will tell you, sell everything that ain't nailed down or living. <laughs> Honestly, sell everything but the kids. You know, or put them to work, maybe. You know, but I mean, that's what he would tell you. To get out of debt, it's so crucial because we're enslaved by it. He said, he would tell you, get rid of everything you can, yard sale it to death, work extra hours if you can and have to, if you get paid for that sort of thing, and begin the process. Uh, you know, in today's world, you can find ways to make money without necessarily having to be somewhere. Maybe some of you have some kind of particular talent or you make things, you sell those online, whatever it may be, to begin to find the extra income. It certainly may require you to have more income than you currently have to ultimately get out of debt. For those of you that have attacked this kind of thing before, how did you do it? When you said, we're going to pay down or pay off this particular debt, or we're paying off this and all of these, you know, as Tim said, 
to be completely debt-free, except for just the, the bare-bones monthly expenses that aren't going away. How, how did you, if you ever attacked a particular debt like that, how did you go about it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and again, that that. That's a good. That's a great point. Especially credit cards. Especially credit cards. They will. They will adjust sometimes your interest rate. Yeah. So that's part of part of the strategy. Yeah. If you can, without without hurting credit. I would say figure out a way if consolidation of some bills can be had to reduce the the payment or to reduce interest rates. But I would say be careful on the credit rating stuff there. If if there's no other way, certainly you have no other way. Be careful there as well. Good good point. The problem with consolidating bills is that you kind of get mauled into it. Absolutely. And you get more debt. Yes. So then you're in the same. And part of the plan to get out of debt will be in some cases to not add more debt. You know, objects that in motion tend to stay in motion, and objects at rest tend to stay at rest, right? The families in debt tend to stay in debt. Families out of debt tend to stay out of debt. It be, at some point, the habit takes over. And that's why I say if you find yourself in debt of whatever kind, and you say, we don't, I don't want to make this car payment anymore. I, I, we won't pay off the house. Ten years, we want to pay this thing off so that by this age we have we have you know we're debt free and now we can spend money on this or whatever. Or you know what, we got to get rid of this credit card. It starts by making a plan to see that happen. And I and I don't emphasize that again. None of this is from a particular point of of expertise or strength. I think these are just general strategies. Sit down with yourself, with your budget book, with your checkbook, with your spouse, whatever, and make a plan to say, this is what we're going to do. This is what we have. We have this amount of money in debt. We have this amount, whatever it is. We're going to plan, figure this thing out. It is possible. It may take you a while. And that's the hard part. Because if you're like me, I make a plan I expected to happen yesterday. You know, I mean, I, I'm not real patient. Mark and I are a little bit alike. You know, I, I, if I if I figure something out and it's the right thing to do, and we're going, it ought to happen. Sometimes, though, that's not the case. You know, financially, you know, and and it's it's like it's like anything. The hole didn't happen overnight, so getting out of the hole isn't going to happen overnight. But the first thing to do when you're in a hole that you want to get out of is what? Stop digging, right? So maybe that's part of the plan. You did? All right. I have a question. You fire away. You yes, yeah. please. Please, please. Like, in, in my experience, like, um, uh, I'm going to be paying off my car here pretty soon. And I feel like after I do that, it's just a ticking time bomb. You <laughs> Your car I mean? is, you mean? Yeah, just like, okay, transmission's going to blow up, okay. engine's going to blow up, something's going to go crazy. And so my question is, is, like, after you get out of debt, like, is it wise to sell? I mean, this is a really specific question, so I'm sorry. But like, is question. it wise to sell the car right away, or to kind of keep it and just say, because is that for me? It's like, is a car payment worth my peace of mind? And for me, it is. Good question. anybody have a anybody have a, I have an opinion on that. I, I, I'm not yeah, but what's right. I want to know what's right. No, we'll, 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 we'll get there. Let's <laughs> let's open it up. That's a great question. What do you do in those kinds of situations? Yes, I think you know, just like in my situation, I'm not rich, but I, you know, we're out of debt, but. In our mind, where we have been, we still carry that along sometimes with us. Like, well, when's the refrigerator going to go? Sure, yeah. Yeah, doomsday is going to happen. Saving extra money for all that, so okay. that's a never-ending Okay, all right. One one key thing you mentioned I'll bring back up in just a second. What else? How's Sharon, you had a hand up. Yes. Um, in, my, in my experience, um, it's been cheaper to fix whatever's wrong and to be active in checking out the transmission, checking the transmission fluid, checking the brake fluid and and um, maybe changing the belts. Just doing some maintenance is a lot cheaper than another Okay. Alright. Thank you. Good that you're paying on your debt right now but the savings account. That'll be your first in case I'm happy with you. If it does it and builds up then your next car you purchase it's never going to be more than about thousand fifteen hundred at a time. Even if your transmission were to die and you have to get rebuilt, 
know, you're not looking at that much. So a few months, I don't know what your car payment is, but a few months you've got that money already. Yeah, my, my student loan payment started too. So, <laughs> so fun so, times for you. Wah, wah, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like him. I've got a week pickup truck. I always have. Yeah. I bought one four or five years ago that I probably didn't need it. I had the one I already had paid off two or three years. But that time, it's around eight times. I think stage of life plays into all this stuff. I think wherever you may be in life certainly affects the decisions that you make financially. You know, in, in your case, I, I you know, I, I think, you know, what Matt and others have, have said about, you know, considering how much could you save for, you know, as Tim mentioned, okay, 1500 bucks. well, that's a big expense, but... But should I be putting that towards my student loan then? Potentially. I, I think what you do is you figure out how can I live below my means to pay off my debts, to stay out of debt, to make the payments that I have, and then be ready for things that might go wrong. And as Sharon mentioned, to stay on top of maintenance and different... I think those are all very wise comments. You know, as Bruce mentioned, you know, you're in a different stage of life, you know, than Bruce. You know, a reliable, different kind of vehicle, you know, because you've got kids in it, maybe a different story, by yourself, breaks down somewhere, not good, but you're not tagging along with two or three kids and, you know, and then it's a different story. So I think those are very, to me, those are very wise comments. I would, you know, I think I would pay attention there on that stuff. You know, as far as trying to figure out how to pay off the, the student loans and all that stuff, depending upon how high interest they are, to me would dictate how aggressive you would be there. Uh, and how much extra debt that you might be willing to take on, or or, or none. You know, I don't know if we've if we've helped to speak to that. Feel free to follow up with a more specific. No, no, no. You guys are not getting it. No. You know, anything. You're doing like that. Those are all great comments. Yeah, but like for right now, it's like my car and loan payments overlap. And so after I get my car payment paid off, then the loan payments are going to be what yeah. my car payment is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So that money isn't going to be saved. Is my so do you think there's any way you... I'm sorry, Stephanie, well, please go ahead. be in a position where you don't make enough to, to have a debt for a car. Yeah. You, know, you just may have to live with your old car. Yeah. And, you know, Patrick and I lived with an old car. We lived with a lemon for about 10 years and expecting a major repair on our vehicle every year and we did but it was cheaper than buying yeah but then eventually you have to get to the point where that's just not practical anymore yeah at some point there is a breaking point junior what you were saying yeah but like mind you you don't have a choice that's true I have a major breakdown three times a year I mean I spend six grand a year on vehicle maintenance yeah I mean low motor transmission and a diesel pump all the time here that's six grand yeah I think you, I think you respond to to what happens. I think you choose though in your stage of life to say, I'm you know in your case, if I'm in your shoes, I would personally not to not to tell you what to do, but I would try to avoid debt at all costs. Because once you get started down that road, it's real easy just to continue, and it boy it it can compound. I, that to me, if I had it to do over again, I would avoid debt at all costs. And and in some cases you can't, but when you have the choice. And that's what, Junior, in your case, a different story. But when you have the choice, I would say I would choose to avoid it, if at all possible, until you get to a stage of life where you say, okay, I don't want this debt. I don't necessarily need a brand-new vehicle, but I tell you what, for the sake of my family, whatever, maybe that's But I think then it becomes gray area. That, I told my son he's going to travel. See, there you go. That's going to be yeah. eight years down the yeah. road. He'll have this. Well, and, and you know, I, I, I'm driving, the, the car that I'm driving, we paid off. And, and I, you know, I, I, right now I'm gun-shy to go get something different, number one, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to incur debt, number two, because nothing's gone wrong with it yet. Yeah. I don't know about another car. <laughs> At least I know what's wrong with this one, if anything. Make sense? So, anyway, all right. Thirdly, reduce spending to create rainy day margin. If you can. This is a strategy. I think we talk about what if something goes wrong. Well, the worst possible time for something to go wrong is when you can't afford for something to go wrong. But isn't that when it always goes wrong? <laughs> it's Murphy's Law. If you can reduce spending, 
This is where we get into the needs and the wants. Jimmy mentioned this a little while ago, the rigid difference, decision between what's a need and a want. We have now convinced ourselves, I will speak personally, that what I'm holding in my hand is need. Need it. You know why? Because I preach from it. But you know, I pay 10 bucks a month to use that thing. Additional to my cell phone bill. Which is another need. You know, I mean, growing up, I had to have one of these. Except that we didn't have them back then. I mean, think about the things that we have determined. And I'm not saying that to anybody's shame or guilt. I'm just saying, if you want to reduce, if you say, I don't know where to reduce spending, begin to consider the things that can be deceiving as a want and a need. Hard to do, not hard and fast in every single case, but sometimes you can, can reduce spending even when you don't think you can. think you have something to say. I was just going to say, when I started looking at things, dish went, garbage pickup went. You figure out different ways to do things. Yes. It's all went. Yes. It's not even come back yet. Well, and, and you talk about you talk about your television service and different that You know, those things we would say, I mean, I'm a baseball fan. Guess what's coming up? Baseball season. Guess what my in-laws give me every year for my birthday? They give me the Major League Baseball extra innings package. I, watch, I can watch every game. Every one of them. But you know what? As much as I love baseball, that's still kind of want. If I wanted to reduce that spending, that hundred and some odd dollars a month, I could. That's all I'm saying. Is it is some point if you want to get ruthless, Dave, Dave Ramsey would tell you, get ruthless. Sacrifice now so you can live later, he would tell you. Just word to the wise, if 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 at all possible. Start now for later, even if you think you can't. This comes into saving, planning ahead, investing. Even if you think you can't. Put a dollar back every month. A dollar. Put something back. Put it in a jar and say, we're saving this. We are starting the habit of saving something for later. We can't do anything, but we can put a dollar in there. Yes, ma'am. I knew that that. Yep. Yes. Good point. Excellent. Sometimes, again, this is not entirely possible. Sometimes this is not your starting point. Okay? But you say, you know, retirement, I mean, I don't have a pension at work. And, you know, how are we going to do that? How are we going to pay for the kids' college, you know, if we want to do that? I mean, how are we going to, you know, afford, how are we going to buy that new car, you know? Start now. Do something. I don't know. Again, if it's just a dollar just for the sake of principle. Say, I'm putting something back. And then one day it'll be more than a dollar. How would you suggest somebody do this, even if they think they can? I've given you an idea, a simple thing, just to to put a dollar back. Sounds so ridiculous, but maybe it's just mental. How would you suggest somebody who says, look, I I mean, we can't even pay the bills now. I mean, much less trying to save something for down the road. How how have you approached this? Okay. Okay. But it's it's like throwing change in a jar. Okay. I had a friend that did that, and when they went to have get their house down there, or they had the down payment for their house. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because you know Ruth, you mentioned this, and Ginger, kind of, it's alluding to similar things. You you deceive yourself. You trick yourself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's what it takes. You know, isn't it? I was... Yeah, I, you know, I don't know anybody that does that, do you? You know what I... You know what, Mark, I would guess, I would imagine that you and I like to be exact. Tell me what time it is. All right, anyway, <laughs> Mark and I can talk about our idiosyncrasies later. Yes. Yeah. says, i got a credit union, they can take it out before I even see it. I would have really been in a lot more problem yeah. last year when I got garnished and everything if I hadn't had a, yep. a vacation fund that I could spend on bills when it came good. through. Good, very good. Or a Christmas fund that it just was a few dollars 
a pay period, it went out. But it was there when I needed it. That's wonderful. For means, not once. Yep, no, it's good. That's that's, That's outstanding. Again, start now for later. Just something. And for some, you need to start big time because you got it. You know, it's Nancy and I started, we started putting money back for retirement out of our checks. We were both teachers. And so we just, we've been in the habit of doing that. And the Southern Baptist Convention has a, you know, has an investment program or whatever. We've just been in the habit of doing that. We don't even think about it anymore. And, and again, that's not because we've got so much money. It's just that's just the way that it was. Because if if you know, it's the time value of money. Over time, the earlier you get started, the better off you're going to be. You say, well, goodness, I've waited this time, this long. Get started. Do something as best you can. All right. Very last thing. Tell your money whose it is. I would encourage you to give God first. And 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 because you are telling your money who it belongs to. Um, you know, some, some folks would say, well, should we give off the gross, off the net? I would say figure out what it means for you to give to God first and do it. And you say, well, how much should I give? Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about that this Sunday. You, you can find support in Scripture that it ought to be 10%. Period. You can find support in Scripture that 10% went out the window with the New Testament. But what you can find support for is that it belongs to God. Give to Him first. Be as generous as you can. I think that's a pretty good principle to follow. For those of you that say it ought to be 10%, well, then doggone it, give 10%. For those of you that say 10% went out the window with the New Testament, I would then venture to say that when Paul talks about being generous, he ain't talking about 10%. He's probably talking about more. <laughs> yeah. So I, I say this not as, again, give something. And I mean this. Give something to God. Not because it's an obligation. Because it's a privilege. We talk about that with the, with, with the Macedonians. The privilege of giving. Give something to God first. To say, you know what? From this point forward, you talk about the pay period. This pay period, God's going to get His money first. We are giving to God's ministry first. And I I don't say that because the church is hurting for money and we need to... It's not what I'm talking about. But give to God first. Begin to direct your money. Let it know who owns it. And maybe there's a spiritual connection here between your money and your heart. (laughs) Jesus, I think, alluded to that. When you begin to say, no, no, no. I'm not going to let my debts dictate who I am. I'm not going to let our financials, my income, nothing. God is going to be in charge. We're giving to Him first, even if it's a dollar a month. Start somewhere. And I really mean that. Take the law out of it. And then some of you maybe have a problem with that. I get it. But take the law out of it. Begin to give to God first whatever it is that you can. And build on that. And build on it. And build on it until you can become, as you mentioned, as giving as you possibly can be and want to be.